all this morning to worship with the our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and members of our of our presbytery. Uh, it's awesome to hear about how the Lord has been at work here among your church. I mean, I remember when Carlos and I were going through ordination at the same time uh, several years ago. So going through all the exams and stuff and following along with all that the Lord has been doing. And now here, what, is a couple more, a couple weeks now, and you'll be celebrating your particularization service. So praise God for that. Uh, things are, are going well in Elizabeth City. We've been there since um, July now, and we are meeting tons of people in, in town and seeking to, to share the gospel and engage those with the message of Jesus. Uh, in fact, you can be praying for us. This Thursday night, uh, Lindsay and I are hosting an, uh, an evangelistic Bible study that's going to run for about seven weeks, and we probably have uh, eight or nine people from the community that are that are coming to it, so please keep keep them and uh, and that time in your prayers. As we're our our hope and desire would be that this church in Elizabeth City would grow through people coming to Jesus, and not just from people moving from from one church to the other. So please please be in prayer uh, about that. Um, so uh, it's it's been awesome to be in Elizabeth City. In fact, last night uh, we went trick or treating and. Elizabeth City is, you know, this small town that calls itself a city in the middle of a big rural area. And so a lot of people converge on the downtown to trick-or-treat. And so there are, there are over a thousand kids on this one street that they had blocked off last night. And a common costume that you saw going everywhere were superheroes. Uh, Ninja Turtles, Batman, Spider-Man, Superman. And, but... Some superheroes that you didn't see out and about in Elizabeth City were uh, superheroes from a, a movie that you may not have heard of. It's kind of a superhero cult classic movie called The Mystery Men. No one was out there dressed like the Blue Raja. If you know anything about the Blue Raja, you know that the Blue Raja's superhero powers are throwing knives and other, other cutlery Neither, neither did we see the bowler. The bowler. Her superhero power is bowling. There was also no sign of the shoveler, who was a, a sewer worker by day, but he wields a mean shovel by night. Uh, or Mr. Furious, not to be confused with the Incredible Hulk. Uh, Mr. Furious only gets angry. He doesn't actually change in his anger. He just gets very angry. There were no, no Mr. Furiouses out there. Mr. Furia. I don't know how to conjugate that. Uh, and my favorite and is Invisible Boy. Invisible Boy has the power of invisibility, but only when no one is looking. Yeah, that's an awesome power, huh? He may, he may have been out in, uh, in Elizabeth City last night. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see him. Um, but think about a problem you may, be, you may be facing. Would you call one of the mystery men? Is, would they be your hero that you would hope would come save the day? Well, part of that may depend on your perception of the problem you're facing. If it's, let's say, shoveling snow in your front yard or 
moving some knives from one side of the room to the other, the mystery men may be the hero you need and you might would call them. But if you're in a more desperate situation like you're tied to some train tracks and uh, a train is barreling down uh, coming upon you or uh, I don't know why these old images of superhero movies always involve trains, but the other common one is the tracks are broken down and the train is barreling towards the, the, the trestle and you need someone to swoop in and save the day. Again, you're, really what you would hope for in that moment might be Superman, a man who can fly, who has superhuman strength, um, who is incredibly fast and powerful. Uh, but the mystery men aren't going to be who you call on, on that day. Uh, you... There's this weird connection between heroes and problems. Your perception of your problem necessitates or, or uh, kind of affects your perception and your, your longing for the type of hero that are, is going to solve that problem. Um, but also, your, you need to rightly understand the hero you're, you're longing for as well. Because if you, if you don't properly understand the identity the true identity and powers and significant of significance of your hero, you in fact may be trusting in the wrong hero to fix the problem you are, you are facing. Now, all of us have, have heroes. They might not be cape crusaders or uh, men who wear their underwear on the outside of their pants. Um, but we're longing for someone to save us, uh, to, to make things right in our broken and messed up lives and world. Uh, people, people are things. It could, be, uh, it could be people. It could be something material. It could be substances. It could be something, just even a change of circumstances as we evaluate the problems that we're facing in our world and in our lives, things that bring us deep longing and tears and we're hoping for someone or something to redeem us, and all of us have certain things in our lives that when things get tough and difficult, we turn to for salvation, deliverance, hope, relief. Mark, and we're going to be in the, uh, the, the gospel of Mark in, uh, in the Bible this morning. Mark was one of Jesus' followers, and he has written an account of Jesus' life and teachings. And Mark is writing to a group of, of Christians in Rome who are facing all sorts of persecution and struggle. And Mark is writing to them and reminding them of Jesus' life and his teaching. And he's encouraging them in the midst of the struggles and the difficulties that they're facing for them to turn and follow and depend upon and cling to Jesus as their hero. Why Jesus? Why in their circumstance? Why in ours? Because Mark is writing the same thing to you and I as we read this morning. Um, so if you would, turn with me. We're in the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15. And I believe it's printed there in your, in your bulletin for you. Please follow along as I, I read to us from from the Word of God to us this morning. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in your mercy and your kindness, you have revealed yourself to us, not, not just in your creation, but specifically in, in a, such a special way in your word as you reveal to us your character and your might and your works and your mercy. Jesus, we pray that you would be glorified and exalted here this morning. Guide us as we look into your word. Guide me as, as I seek to explain these deep truths. And Holy Spirit, I pray, pray that you would apply your word to our hearts. Change us. There's not a person in this room, myself included, that does not come to you needing to continually to be changed and shaped more and more. Like... Jesus, the perfect man. Make us more like him this morning. It's in your name we pray, amen. So it would be helpful as, to understand a little bit of the context Mark's writing in. Remember, I said he's writing to a, a group of people in Rome. And Rome at the time was the power in the world. They dominated everything. Uh, and they liked to release these announcements. These announcements that they called euangelions means good news. And they would release these announcements uh, whenever they had achieved victory. When the army of Rome, as it saw itself, was expanding and spreading the peace, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome throughout the world, because from their understanding, that was good news. It needed to be announced. They needed to announce when their victory occurred because that meant that they were helping to spread the glory and beauty of Rome. And anyone, whether you, you were a part of Rome already and you heard this news or you had just been conquered by Rome and they were announcing this good news to you, uh, surprise, surprise, we just conquered you, but it is, it is in your best interest uh, because Rome saw themselves as providing salvation to the world. To be under Rome's rule was the way, the only way for you to achieve and experience flourishing 
uh, peace, fulfillment in, in the world. Also, they would, they would an- release these euangelions, these announcements of good news when a new Caesar was born. You see, it would have been good news for you to know that, yes, another divine God king had come onto the, the planet. It's good for us to begin to put our hopes in this king for he will, he will rise up and continue to lead us in the spread of the Roman kingdom and more and more people as they come under his rule will experience the peace that comes from submission to Rome. Mark opens up his gospel in verse 1. He says, what Mark is writing is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Gospel. It's that same word Rome used. Euangelion. Announcement of good news. Do you notice what, what Mark is saying here? This. This is the good news. The message I am writing to you now about the life and teachings of Jesus is the good news, the euangelion. There is no other good news out there that compares to this. No matter what Rome may be announcing, no matter what you may be experiencing and your temptations to turn and maybe believe into the hope that they are offering, this is the good news. Jesus is the Son of God. It's not Caesar. The hope we have, the hero, although Rome is presenting themselves as the hero, the only one and true hero is Jesus Christ. Now at the same time, uh, the, the Jews had their other perceptions of what the hero would be. From the Jewish perspective, the problem was Rome. And so if Rome was the problem, the hero that we need is a political and military deliverer and ruler who will vanquish and cast Rome out. Their hopes were in this political and military deliverer. And Mark, as we will continue to look and see in, uh, in the beginning here, again shows, look, Jesus, the life and teachings of Jesus, the work that he does is what is the good news. He is the hero. He's not coming in a political and military fashion. He is not that kind of hero and deliverer. You need to properly understand who he is. And what Mark is trying to do is to expose for us that if you are hoping in any kind of hero other than Jesus, you will be sorely disappointed and let down. There's a movie that came out a few years ago called The Avengers. And in The Avengers, uh, there is probably the greatest fight scene in movie history, I think. That and Indiana Jones when the guy comes out with the swords. But in, in this scene, there's this guy, Loki. Loki is uh, this Norse god, the brother of Thor, son of Odin, and he's trying to take over the world. And he's in this skyscraper, and all of a sudden the Incredible Hulk jumps up through the window, and he comes in. And Loki uh, begins to to talk, and he, he, he says, I am a god! Who are you, you vile, you vile creature, to come into my presence? 
And then all of a sudden, the Hulk grabs a hold of Loki and just... (laughs) And the scene ends with Loki laying down on the ground, just moaning. He's going, oh. And the Hulk walks away. And under his breath, he goes, puny God. What Mark is trying to tell us this morning is that if you are hoping in anyone or anything other than Jesus, you might not be experiencing it now, but there will come a time where it will be revealed that that is a puny hero and a puny God. Because the only one that will save us and satisfy our longings and the needs that we have is Jesus Christ because he is the good news. But don't we need to hear that? How many of us in here right now are believing in other euangelions, other good newses, other heroes that are saying, I will save you. Trust in me. These great promises, the deliverance, For me, the the good news that I am listening to, the promises of the hero, are people's perceptions of me. I desperately want to be liked. And when things are tough and when things are difficult, I need and I, I long for affirmation. And when I'm not receiving or feel like I'm... I'm pleased and delighted in by people around me, then my world begins to crumble. And I try to do whatever I can to make sure I hear good things from people. I need men and women to like me. I also believe in the good news of of ministry or work. I find my significance there. And I need to work harder and put more effort into it because if this church plant fails, I'm going to be exposed and I don't want to fail. And so as long as I succeed in this, then everything will be all right and uh, I'll have significance and hope and worth. But by far the biggest hero I look to is myself. I look to myself to try to be the best father and parent and husband that I can be. And when things get tough, I look into my own strength to try to gut it out. I try to avoid situations where I might fail because I, deep down I know I can't handle it. And, but I still try to, to avoid situations and conversations in my family and with Lindsay that might expose that. And so as I cling to myself, what I end up finding is that I am a puny God. I am a puny hero. And the more that I depend and trust in myself, the more I end up seeing the effects of that hurting and wounding my family. What about you here? What is the good news you're believing in? Who is the puny God, the puny hero that you place your hopes in? Is it the hopes of a relationship of a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend that will meet those needs and longings that you think you have of the deep down. And Mark is saying, hold on. They're going to disappoint you. 
Maybe for you, even now, this, this hero is, is whispering these promises in the back of your mind. And right now, you're thinking about and you're longing for this service to be over and so that you can get, go home and be with your hero. Whether it's a substance or it's something on a screen or something that you need to read or escape or someone you even need to call and talk to or something that you need to avoid. Mark is telling us here, the hero, the hope that we have is Jesus. And if we're clean and resting in any other hero, we will be disappointed. But just as Rome was announcing the fact that they were the hero and the Jews were trusting and hoping in this military and political ruler, uh, what begins to be to come into the picture is like we were talking before. Your perception of the hero that you're longing for points out something about your heart and your evaluation of the problem you're facing. If the hero I need is people to like me, if the hero I need is to make sure that I look like I have it all together before people, then what I'm saying deep down is the main issue and problem that I'm facing in my life is people's perception of me. Or maybe uh, our evaluation of the problem deep down is it's my circumstances. And if those would just change, everything would be better. And I could deal with it. The heroes that we're looking to and clinging point out and show something to us about our evaluation of the problem. Notice where, what Mark tells us. As he quotes Isaiah here in, in verses 2 and 3, he says that there's going to be one crying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This announcer, this, this, uh, this witness, this voice, this messenger was supposed to come. He was supposed to, to prepare the way, to get the things out of the way that were maybe would make the road bumpy, barriers that would come in the way that would prevent the coming of the kingdom of God's, uh, of God's rule and His reign being established in the world. And so you would think if the problem was military and political, if the problem was Rome, then John's message would have been one of where he was rallying the troops. He was beginning to denounce and condemn Rome and call the people of Israel to gather around and... Uh, and, and raise up the zealots and let's get our, our, our weapons together. Let's begin to practice because the, the, the hero is coming and he's going to lead us in victory. But notice how John is preparing the way. Look in verse 4. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem was going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river and confessing their sins. Later, when Jesus comes on the scene, even down in verse 14, Jesus again continues to announce the sim a similar thing. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand in verse 15. Repent and believe in the gospel. John isn't talking about Rome at all. John is saying the problem is sin. 
The problem that you are facing is sin. Not just sin in the world, although that is a big issue. It is your sin. You need to come out and repent. Notice John's calling people out of Jerusalem. People are leaving Jerusalem, the center of Israelite worship, where the religious leaders had begun to shape religion and practice in their own ways and with their own rules. They thought that they had it together. Of course Rome is the problem. It's not our sin. We're doing right. We're following these rules. God is pleased with us. Look at what we're doing. And John is saying, no, look, you're going to need to leave Jerusalem because in Jerusalem, you don't have a proper understanding of the significance of the problem you're facing. You do not have a proper perspective on the depths of your sin. You're following your own man-made religion and you've distorted what God has called you to do. Therefore, you need to leave that. You that see yourselves as the pure and holy and righteous ones, you need to come out in the wilderness. You need to be washed. You need to repent of your sins and call upon Jesus. Do we have a proper perspective and perception of the problem we're facing? We may say, yeah, I know I struggle with sin and, and Jesus is the hero, but really, I, kinda, I got it all together. But where I need help, I'm, Jesus is a good teacher. He's a wise sage. He's got a lot of principles that I can apply to my life and make my life better. And so I'll, I'll follow Jesus that way because I understand that Maybe he has some wisdom in the way that I should live out my life. And that's the kind of Jesus that I need. A couple years ago, I got a present from my brother and sister-in-law. A container of Band-Aids. Jesus Band-Aids, to be uh, precise. It says on these, Jesus Adhesive Bandages. Perfect for cuts, scrapes, locust bites, or other minor boo-boos. On each band-aid is a little picture of Jesus and then even includes a toy, which is also a little Jesus. Now, is your Jesus little? Is your perspective of the problem that you're facing necessitate a little band-aid-sized Jesus? In the words of the great philosopher and theologian Taylor Swift, Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. If you think that the problem that you have with sin is so slight and subtle that you just need to, to follow some suggestions and some minor life principles that Jesus, the good teacher, brings to you, then you've completely missed out, one, on the identity of the hero, and two, the significance of your problem. How does that come out in this passage? Mark is saying, we don't need a band-aid, Jesus. Your problem is great, and your problem with sin is, in fact, catastrophic. It's not just a bullet hole you have. You are dead. How do we know that? How do we know the problem is, is more than we can overcome? Well, let's look at the identity of this hero. That's what we saw, right? The identity of your hero reflects the significance of the problem. The problem is great, then we need a great hero. 
Look at how great this hero Mark is telling us about, the hero that we need. In verse 9, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of, Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Jesus is a man who comes from a place. This hero is fully man. He was born, he lived, he came from an area in this actual world. In verse 13, we find out that Jesus faced temptation. In verse 13, he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. What we find out in, uh, throughout the accounts of Jesus' life is that although he was tempted, he was without sin. This man who enters, who's in this world is sinless. He is perfect. He doesn't, he resists temptation. He doesn't fail. But he's not just a man. Remember back in verse 3, prepare the way of the Lord is what Isaiah said that John would be doing. Lord there, that term back in the Old Testament was the covenant name of God, Yahweh. John is supposed to be coming, preparing the way for Yahweh. But who shows up? Jesus. Yahweh is Jesus. Oh, Jesus is fully man and he's fully God. Am I, am I understanding that right? I mean, look what John says. Jesus seems to be doing a lot of the things that are only reserved for God. In verse 8, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is one who gives out and pours out the Spirit of God. In verse 10 and 11, or in verse, uh, sorry, in verse 15 and in verse 1, let's look at those and compare them. In verse 1, Mark is saying this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the gospel of Jesus. Then what Mark tells us later on in verse 14, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. The gospel of Jesus and the gospel of God the same good news it's the same message it's the same person in fact we see the god the father himself affirm this in verse 11 the identity of jesus who mark is claiming him to be who jesus throughout his, the this whole book as we can would continue to look at it we would see who he's claiming to be is God who has entered into our brokenness and our hurt and our pain to redeem and save us. Jesus is fully God. He's fully man. He is without sin. And the, God the Father in verse 11 says, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. God confirms this true identity of Jesus. So get this. If the hero we need is God himself in the flesh, then how significant is our problem? You and I cannot overcome it by ourselves. And whatever other problems we're looking at and we're trying to face and deal with because we think that is the chief problem that we're facing in our life and in our world, Mark is saying you're going to be disappointed and in fact you're going to be pursuing the, the wrong problem. You're trying to fix band-aids with bullet holes, I mean, 
bullet holes, fix band-aids with bullet holes. Fix bullet holes with band-aids. Mark is telling us Jesus is the hero. And wherever you are, whatever you're facing, call out to him. Because what Jesus comes announcing, he says, I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said that he would come to die the death we deserved. He would suffer on the cross to remove from us the penalty of our sin, the wrath of God that we deserve to be poured out on us. And Jesus, this perfect God-man, after dying the death we deserve to take our sin away, would rise to new life, that we would have life in Him. When my, our, we have three kids, Adelaide, who's five, Beckett, who's three, and Greta, who's five and a half months. When Adelaide and Beckett were little, I was looking after them. Lindsay had gone out of town. And Beckett was, you know, Adelaide was two. Beckett was, you know, four or five months or so. And so th- this is the way I, I handled it. You know, I would give Adelaide, after we got everybody's teeth brushed, I'd say, okay, you can look at something on the iPad while I go put Beckett to bed because I couldn't handle both of them. And so uh, I said, so go ahead, let's get your teeth brushed so that you can, and after you're done doing that, you can go and